Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Welcome, everyone, to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Today is Monday, 4 p.m., and we're at our post. 4 p.m. Eastern. 4 p.m. Eastern. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. We're broadcasting live from our secure bunker in Cincinnati, Ohio. We are secure. And um, <laughs> how are you, E? I am well. Thank you, Charles. I have a little bit of a cold, so I sound a little raspy. Oh, today. nice. Nice, right? Um, so... The mission of Corporate Talk is to leave no stone unturned, to use all our collaborative powers to make a difference, even as one person. Our companies need us now more than ever, and we want to bring our A-game to the table. You know, and I, I know we talk about it all the time and at the start of every show, but you can make a difference even as one person. Right. Um, my guy is Paul Revere, if you don't think one person can make a difference, um, just think of him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's others, but that's my guy. You know, last week we did a show on starving the ambivalence and feeding the ambition. Yes, and this week's show kind of segues nicely into that, doesn't it? Right, um, yeah. because in the last few years we've seen, it, as far as I can see, an enormous increase in small business. Um, things like healthcare now make it a little easier for people. So, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit needs to be nurtured. Right. And it may not necessarily be that it's an actual like business and maybe a sole proprietorship, but yes, there's a lot of people are kind of trying it out on their own. Yeah. Although I think a lot of people are still scared to do that. So, and I um, think our guest today will speak to that as well. And our mission is to bring these subject matter experts to you guys and to us because we get to cheat and we get the benefit as well. <laughs> right? We, we have um, a great lineup in front of us down the road. And r- right now we're just about closing our February bookings and we're looking at March for guests. So, you know, we're gaining traction. There's a lot of experts that we're bringing to the table, and every week we get smarter and smarter. Yes, we do. <laughs> okay, so um, this week we have a fantastic guest um, who's going to shake up the entrepreneurial spirit in us, um, and I have a lot of questions, and um, I think there's a lot of benefit here. Oh, I think there's a ton of benefit because what I love is when you have a successful entrepreneur sharing their tips as to how they became successful. Always right. Helpful. So, um, and I, forgive me if I pronounce the name incorrectly, uh, our guest Daniel Margolin um, is an author, business owner, successful doctor. I mean, I don't know. Uh, he has like the Midas touch, I guess. Well, because, you know, sometimes you can be a great doctor, but maybe not a great businessman. Right. And Dr. McGollum brings them both together. Right, like I'm, he's a, teaching I'm, a, his great, I'm a great patient and not a great businessman. So. 
Okay. So, no, this is what we, uh, I'm really, really excited, all kidding aside. I would like to introduce our very special guest, Dr. Daniel Margolin. Are you with us? Even Charlie, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm really excited to, to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, um, believe me, you don't know, right? Because, uh, I'm an East Coast guy myself. So, um, I get jealous when I hear from you guys. Oh, we're calling from New Jersey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I know the area well. Um, so, um, did I get the pronunciation of your last name correct? I was perfect. It was perfect. Okay. Excellent. So, Dr. Margolin, why don't you share some of your contact information first, and then we'll go from there. Uh, sure. You know, my uh, I have two things. So, one of my podiatry office is in Oradell, New Jersey. Uh, that number, in case anybody wants it, is 201-261-9445. Uh, my consulting company is called Effective Management. And if, as we're speaking, anybody wants to get in touch with me, uh, dan at effectivemanagement.net would be the best contact. Excellent. So, um, you know, it's a little confusing when you look at a successful doctor also um, running a management consulting company. So how did that mix come about? Uh, You know, uh, I'll be honest. I I grew up in Queens, New York. You know, both of my parents were school teachers. And uh, I was the first doctor in the family. There was no business owners. There was, you know, n- nothing like that. And so my, the dream, you know, for my parents and for myself was to become a doctor. I actually became a podiatrist. Um, when I came out, much like the kids today, I actually was one of the first people going through that student loan crisis. I had over $200,000 in student loan debt. Um, back then, I don't know, Charlie, if you guys remember, the interest rate back in uh, 86, whatever, was about 16%. Mm. So my student loans were ridiculously high. I mean, it was, it was crazy. So I started out in practice, you know, opened my shingles. My concept of being a doctor was simply, you know, you put up your shingle and people show up and you do your best to treat them and the practice grows and you're successful and all that. And that probably was true. You know, maybe several years before I started, at least a decade before. But once I had started, because of the insurance companies coming in and the incredible debt and all those things, it wasn't true anymore. And so it was a little bit of like, what the heck am I going to do? I I start out, I have a certain amount of money, and over the course of five years, I run through almost everything. And I'll still, you know, the the feeling of looking at your, your checking account and going, oh my God, I got like three months and I'm out of business. And I, I'll tell you, Charlie, I'll be honest, I'm a very nice guy. I mean, it wasn't because I didn't treat people well. It wasn't because my surgeries and everything weren't excellent. I was doing a really good job, and I still wasn't being successful. It made no sense to me. So what happened for me is I called a friend of mine. His name was Peter. He was also a podiatrist. I knew him, and I knew his debt load, and I knew it was about the equivalent of mine. And so, you know the saying, misery loves company. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I figured I'd call him up, and we'd basically go out and tilt the elbow and, you know, mm-hmm. commiserate about how miserable everything was. And shockingly, when I, I said, hey, Pete, you're, you're probably doing horribly as well, he said something. I, I just It just shook my foundation. He said, Dan, I'm doing great. And mm-hmm. I said, what? Like, how is that even possible? So he was kind enough. I went to his office, and I got there, and I had never seen 
a practice run as a business. But when I got in there, there were graphs, like how many new people you saw that week. You know, what his collections were, what his production, what was built. And it was all graphed, and it was all up on the wall. And there was yeah. a thing called an organizing board. Okay, I never even, the concept of organizing, right? It broke the business into seven areas, right? The executive area, the hiring area, the treasury area, the doctor area, and on and on. And so it was a shock for me. And I said, Pete, how, how did you do this? Like, how did you learn this? Um, he, at the time, had gone to a, a company in California, a management company. And interestingly enough, to go to this company, now I had, you have to pick a picture of this. I've got $15,500 in the bank. Okay, To go there for one week is $15,000. So I had to make a decision at that point. Like, I'm going out of business in three months. Where I'm going out right now. Yeah, let me just let me just yeah. cut in for a second because I was thinking, right? You, you know, you bypass all of the gut wrenching time in your college days to get to this point, mm-hmm. right? And now you have the the debt as, along with trying to treat the patients that you're so proud to be able to treat, and it seems like. Uh, now you're faced with decisions you had no idea were going to hit the table this quickly. Right. Right. And they don't teach you oh. in college. And they don't teach you. Right. Oh, unbelievable. I could imagine we were doing a lot of elbow tilting, as you call oh, it. I, I was doing a lot of elbow tilting at that point. Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing. What you just said was brilliant and absolutely true. They did teach me one thing. They taught me I was a doctor. Okay. And mm-hmm. for some reason, the concept of a doctor, you know, you grow up in a Jewish family, a doctor, oh, you're a doctor, you know everything. Mm-hmm. And so, I thought I knew everything, you know, and, and the, the real thing is when you don't know what you don't know. I mean, so what I'm saying to you, like, I, I saw what Peter had on his wall, and it just struck me like a lightning bolt that I didn't know something. You know what I mean? I, I just thought, hey, you put a shingle up. How hard could it be? No, and I agree. The technology I agree. of it. You know, I'm sure you see people like that all the time where you, you know, you're trying to convince them that in business there might be something to learn, and they just they don't know what they don't know. Right. But, uh, uh, believe me, um, we we experience that here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, my career is in technology, and uh, I thought it would be easy to run a consulting company with all my subject matter expertise. And I'm running into the same issues you were as well back in 1986. Yo, so, like, what what were some of the issues you're running into? Well, I mean, um, I never learned how to run a business. I never learned that I should be tracking things that I'm doing and monitoring the success to see if I need to tweak some of my marketing or, you know, or things like that. I mean, it seems to me that's 99% of the work. My subject matter expertise is the easy part, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that was, you know, that was the shocking thing, right? I did a great residency. I came out and I really considered myself a very good doctor. I'm very ethical. You know, I would never do anything to, to a patient that I wouldn't do to my own mother. I mean, that was always my viewpoint. And so I really thought, what, what else do you need? And, and I'll tell you, it's funny because my, the director of my residency put the kibosh on me the last day of my residency. He took me out to dinner and this is what he said to me. He said, Dan, I want you to do this do really great work on people. He goes, I, I went to Beth Israel. I did a residency at Beth Israel Hospital, and he said, you did a really great program. Don't embarrass us by doing any marketing or any public relations or anything like that. Just do really good work, and other people will tell other people, and you'll do great. And so I took that to heart, 
And I took that as my mission. I said, my God, I'm not going to market. I'm not going to promote myself. I'm just going to do really great work. And just to give you an idea, one of the things Peter said to me when I told him that, because he said, Dan, you have to learn how to market and promote. And I said, you know, Pete, I, I don't do that. I, I went to Beth Israel, and I just don't do that. You know, He said, let me tell you something. He said, there's different types of public relations or marketing, okay? And one of them is called a bad PR. A bad PR, basically. And it is good works that speak for itself. In other words, word of mouth. That's the very definition of bad public relations. You say good PR is good works well publicized. In other words, you tell a lot of people. So it was the first time I looked at it, and it was almost the viewpoint that as a decent, humble person, if you want to give to charities, right, and not say anything to anybody, absolutely do that. Okay? But as a business person, if you do great work, you better tell everybody. You've got to be screaming that out. And there's so much noise out there. There's so many other people screaming that you've got to really scream loud. And so that one dinner with that one residency director is the thing that almost put me out of business. It was just that concept that I held on to. And until I actually sat with Peter, it was with my mantra, you know what, I'm not going to market. And when he told me that and he showed me that it was the very definition of bad PR, I almost fell over. And it was, you know, you get those little turn. I'm sure you guys have hit this where there's somebody just says one thing to you and it just completely changes your direction, right? right. Have you ever had that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that, that for me was really like one of the turning points. But anyway, so I go, I go out to California. And, you know, you talk about, like, gut-wrenching, and, and, you know, I'm giving you a shortened version of what it's mm -hmm. like. But you can just imagine, you know, you've got $500 left in the bank. You're going out of business. You know, my mom and dad drive me to the airport at the time. I was a fairly young guy, and they're crying at the airport. And now I'm like, oh, my God. I, I get on the plane, and I sit down. And uh, the movie Ghost, I remember the movie Ghost. Do you guys remember that movie? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. So the movie Ghost is playing, and I'm sitting in a chair, and there's this old lady next to me. And I start crying. And I just, you know, I'm thinking, oh, my God, what did I do? Am I out of my mind? You know, and the old lady looks at me and she goes, son, are you okay? And I said, oh, yeah, this movie always gets me, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but I did go out there. And, uh, you know, when I did learn it, within a week, I actually got it. And I got enough of the, the concepts that I actually turned it around. And I bet I it's because you had a practice to apply it to. And that right. helps you get it quicker. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for going into something like that when you've already been working different things and know what works and what doesn't work, or you don't really have the concept of what's not working yet, but you know something has to shift. So you went in there with your last dollar and basically said, I'm right, go ahead and teach me what to do. But things like the organized board, I mean, that's, that to me at the time might have been creative stuff, right? Yeah. Um, so, but, uh, Dr. Margolin, we are going to take our first break. And um, so please, when we come back, we'll pick up right from where we are because um, it's kind of riveting. It is right? riveting. Especially yeah. knowing that this turned everything around. Yes. Right? So, uh, and by the way, I'm from Queens, so we can talk about that later too. <laughs> um, please stay with us, everyone. This is a very special show. It can change your life. Uh, corporate Talk with Charlie, Eva, and our very special guest, Dr. Daniel Margolin. We'll be right back.
CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning shared leadership training seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company but not at the expense of others. Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information and to order, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. We're in segment two with Dr. Dan Margolin. And Dr. Daniel Margolin is a podiatrist, but he's also a business management consultant, which is an amazing, amazing background, and it's so perfect for this show. And he's also the author of Fast-Tracking Your Prosperity, 21 Lessons in Professional and Personal Success. You can also learn more about Dr. Margolin at his website at effectivemanagement.net. So, Dr. Margolin, what a great story. So we're on the plane, and you've taken your last dollar to go to this week in California. So tell us more. So, uh yeah, so, you know, like, again, I, like I said, at the time, I mean, I was pretty shaken. I really, you know, it, it's, like I said, it's, it's hard to imagine how, you know, when you've spent so many years, I mean, you're right, college and dietary school and residency and money, and you're like, you know, you're, you're sitting there going sort of stunned. But mm-hmm. anyway, playing, I go, the company at the time was called Sterling Management, and I go there, and, uh, you know, basically it was set up like a training site. So you, you really train and then you do a little bit of an externship and stuff. But I'll tell you, uh, and would it be okay if I shared some of the things that I learned there? Because I think they're sort of important. Oh, we you're, love it. You're the yes. boss here. Okay. So, so a couple of things. So one thing that I learned was there, there were, that there were four types of exchange you could have in business. And only one of them was this exchange that would be successful. And by exchange, I mean, you know, you're going to do something for a patient or you're going to do something for a customer and they're going to do something back. There's like an exchange like that. And there's four ways it can go. One is called a rip-off exchange where you steal something from the person, right? So a patient, let's say, comes in. I open the door and say, you know what, we're, we're, I'll be with you in a second. Give me your insurance card. And I run the insurance card. I throw it back at them and I close the door. Now, it's pretty obvious you're not going to do that and it's, you wouldn't do very well. So that's an obvious one. The second type of exchange is called a partial exchange where you do part of what you say you're going to do. Okay, so as an example, let's say you do, you're an auto dealership and you do wheel alignments. And like the, the wheels may not fall off the car, but the alignment may not meet industry standards, right? It's doing part of what you said you would do. There's, now, a, lot again, of partial, there's a lot more partial exchanges. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! It's it's unbelievable. It's it, I, we just had a, a a water filter put in my house and it leaked and flooded the basement. <laughs> and you're like, what kind of exchange is that? Like, what's the yeah. matter with you? You know, but it's pretty obvious if you do that that you're not going to prosper. Here's one that's not so obvious, and this to me was actually really a shocking thing. There's a, another exchange called a fair exchange. Okay, so using the same analogy of the wheel alignment, you know, you do a uh, person comes to you for a wheel alignment. And you do a perfect wheel alignment, right? Just you meet industry standards, okay? You do what's called a fair exchange. Now, 
Charlie, Eva, when you do a fair exchange, what, like, what, how do you think a business would do if a fair exchange was done? I think they would um, not be sued by anyone, but right. maybe not be, um, not be, you know, making headlines either. Right. You, you just hit it right in the money. The shocking thing, here's the shocking thing. If you speak to most business people, they think that business nirvana is fair exchange. In other words, yeah, if I do what I say I'm going to do, I'm going to actually win. And the truth is they'll barely survive. And they may not get sued too much, but for the most part, they're not going to win. And the problem is the economy. You know, you've got inflation. You've got all these things. You, you've got to be expanding, at least to some degree. You know, just staying the same is, is the kiss of death. So the fourth type of exchange is a thing called exchange in abundance. It's doing a little bit more than anybody expected. So, you know, going back to the wheel alignment thing, it doesn't mean giving them a free oil change because that might be financially not viable, but it might mean calling them the next day and saying, hey, you know, how did that work out? How you, you know, or sending them a letter thanking them for the service. It all, here's the trick. It's just got to be slightly more than anybody expected and definitely slightly more than your competition. And you see that. Um, and it jumps, it does jump out at you. It does really yeah. jump out, especially because a lot of times now customer service is really weak. Yeah. So if you right. go somewhere and you get exceptional customer service, it does really jump out. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, I always say this, you, you, and I probably shouldn't say this, probably a bad, but bad thing, but you look at electricians or plumbers. I mean, if you could actually get them to show up on time, it's almost an exchange in abundance at this point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, if they if they actually show up when they say they're going to stuff like that, you could almost take over that field by yeah. being able by setting appointments. All you're doing is a little more than your competition is. You're exactly right. The opportunity that's available for those to small businesses for that exact reason is enormous. Yeah, and people don't realize the importance of it. You know, it's sometimes it's not only the knowledge. But it's the importance in aligning the important things in knowledge. You know, it's like you, you could say something and somebody could go, yeah, that, that's true. But they never actually put it into effect. And that's, uh, that's really a key thing, that, that concept. And what I'm, I, by the way, what I'm telling you is called Hubbard Management Technology. So it's used by about 70,000 businesses. And these are the key concepts. And I'll, I, here's one word. I'll tell you one more. First of all, how am I doing with this? Is this interesting to you? Do you want me to? It's very interesting. No, it's great. It's okay. Great. So, so I get there, and they said to me, I'll never forget this. One of the uh, Kevin Wilson, I guess, was the owner of the company. He sat down with me. We were talking, and he said, Dan, what does the word operational mean to you? And I said, operational. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I said the word operational to me means that something works. And he said, okay. So, so he said, so you would like to set up your business so that it's operational from that definition. And I said, yeah, that, that would be good. I'd like it to work. He goes, he said, let me explain to you. I'll give you a different definition, and I'll explain to you why the definition of operational just being something that works is the, the, the death wish to you. It's why it'll, it's, it'll destroy you. And I said, really? Let me, give me the definition. So this is the definition of the Hubbard Management System. Operational does not mean something works. It means it works without further assistance or attention. It doesn't have to be continually watched. So let me, let me just give the two again. So most people think operational means something works. Yeah. Okay, the real definition is not just that it works, but it works without further assistance or attention. It doesn't have to be continually watched. Now let me just explain why this, this is such an important concept. Because if you know this, 
as you build your business, as you build your practice, you go for the definition of operational, of setting up systems that basically run themselves, and ultimately you have freedom. If you do it the old definition of it just working, you get sucked into it, and basically it, like, kills you eventually. And, and here's, here's why. Okay, let's say you're a baker. I don't know, let's I'll make a silly analogy. Mm-hmm. But you decide, you know what I want to do? I'm going to open up a bakery. And uh, it's pretty stressful. You know, you need to take out a loan. Are you going to make it? Are you not? You've got to find a place to set up. But you do that. You go through that very stressful period. And it just happens you're a good baker. And you start making excellent foods. And, you know, you, you, you get up at 5 in the morning. You do the baking. And you've got everything set up. And you get there. And now people start to come in. And you're starting to become more and more successful. Well, now you're in at 5. You're setting the place up. You know, you've got all the baked goods out. You're selling the baked goods, right? You're doing that all day long. Then you're cleaning up at night. Then you're closing the place down. And pretty soon, it's also stressful. Okay, so because now the stress of, like, keeping up with it all. Okay, Mm -hmm. so it's stressful when you start it, and it's stressful when you finish. It's it's a lose-lose scenario. Okay, does that make sense? Uh, It's very true. It makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And And then on top of it, you start getting away from the reason you opened the business in the first place was that you love to bake and you love to create Absolutely. in your baking. You start getting away from it. You want to jump out a window at that point. You know, at a certain yeah. point, right. there's no there's no fun in it anymore. There's no ability to be an artist anymore, right? There's no creative right. anymore because you're so caught in the daily grind. And most people, this is unfortunately what I find happens to most uh, business owners is that you know they they. They just don't love what they do anymore because they're so caught up in it um, that it, it just grinds them away. But if you do it the other way, where every time you organize something, uh, you touch it, you organize it, so ultimately it will run itself, that's different. Because now, a couple of things. One, there's no limit to your expansion because all you're doing is setting up systems, having a way of monitoring them, what we were talking about before of, uh, you know, uh, Charlie looking at graphs and stuff like that, and then... You know, every once in a while, maybe walking around and just checking those graphs. Um, that's really the ideal. And so when I first learned that, I said, my God, that's exactly what I'm going to do. This is my life is going to be touching things, organizing them operationally from that second definition. And that is really what I've been about. And so even my own, like the practice now, we have three associates. Um, I work, I'll be honest, as a podiatrist, I work six hours a week. Um, the practice is in the top 3% in the country. Um, but it's only because of that definition. It's only because I've really done that for blood. And uh, even consulting. I mean, even when I went into consulting about what happened for me was it saved me so much that I realized that my real calling in life was to help other businesses and other people. And that was really what I wanted to do. And so I did that for many years. But I also, interestingly enough, forgot about that definition for a while. And what would happen is I would actually physically go to different companies and actually work with them and roll up my sleeves. And, you know, all of a sudden I found myself getting really sucked into the same scenario where, you know, it was stressful when you start the consulting company because you got to find clients. And then as you got more and more clients, well, it was stressful because, you know, I'm not getting home till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Right. And so we've, you know, really over the last four years, we've worked really hard to put everything online and everything that we actually taught people, we turned into video series and stuff like that. So anyway, just from an operational standpoint, that's, you know, that's, that's really always been my approach with it. Yeah. And, uh, I miss that as well, right? Operational means open for business. 
Um, and now I get it. And you know what? In, in this social media world, it's the perfect opportunity to automate systems and absolutely continue right. to get the word out. Right. And your parents, when all this turned around, must have been over the moon because now they not only had a doctor, but they also had a management consultant. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, they were, you know, they were just happy that I didn't go bankrupt, to be honest. You right. Parents, you know, as my parents would say, well, no, I sent them to college. That's why he's so successful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. But, you know, I, I see it. Like, look, I got doctors working for me. These are lovely, lovely people. I think all three of them, or, or maybe two of them, honestly, have close to $300,000 in student loan debt. Okay? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and everybody, all these people coming out of school, I sit with them, and it's pretty tough to get through that. I mean, especially the way, you know, I, I don't know what the economy is like where you guys are at. Here, it's, it's a little bit rough. I mean, every time we, we go out to a restaurant, we almost have to double-check it to make sure it's still open. I don't, what is the economy like where you guys it's, are? It is that, um, but they do have some some unique uh, patterns in the Midwest, like Mondays usually everything is closed. Well, but no, Cincinnati is kind of up and coming now, so it's turned around since we've gotten here. I think um, I see a lot it's of a partial different. exchanges, mm-hmm. you know, okay. as now that we know the definition. So. Well, I mean, that's, well, I, you know, you know, it's funny when you when you actually, you know, I'm sure you knew that before. You just had no maybe way of labeling it. But once you get it labeled, it's like all of a sudden. Do you ever see the movie They Live? Have you ever seen that movie? No. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to hold. I'm going to have you hold that thought because we're about to take our second break. So sorry mm-hmm. for interrupting. But let's come back to that when we come from our when we come back from the break. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie Neva, and our guest today is Dr. Daniel Margolin. We'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on TalkZone. Um, let's get right to it. Segment three, this is a fantastic show. And let me start by saying, um, Dr. Margolin, first off, we're very grateful that you are sharing all these great tips with us. And it's clear that that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we love that. And, uh, I could just imagine what's in the book, fast tracking your prosperity. Um, and so uh, I just want to shout out the website, effectivemanagement.net and the book. And if the book is anything like the first two segments of our conversation, I think everyone should just make sure they get it. Fast Tracking Your Prosperity, 21 Lessons in Professional and Personal Success by Dr. Daniel Margolin. And the email is dan at effectivemanagement.net. So 
um, we left off with they live. So <laughs> we, you know, we want to hear more. <laughs> so so uh, uh, just remind me to go back to the book because it was written as a labor of love and I actually wrote it for my daughter because mm-hmm. I've, I've over the years I've seen so many people do things right and I've seen so many people do things wrong. And as you know, before I even had, I have one daughter, but before I had kids, um, as a young man, I always said, you know what, I'm going to make a list of things that I see. And one day I'm going to give this list to my children so that they don't make those same mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so over the years, I had made a list. And there was about 21 things on the list. And one of my patients is a, a fairly famous author. And we were talking one day, and he said, why don't you turn that into a book? And that's really the, the where the genesis of that came. But uh, but it was a labor of love, and it was really written for my daughter. But anyway, go, going back to They Live. So there was a movie, I forget what year, it was in the 80s, I believe, with Rodney, Rowdy Rodney Piper. And it is... I remember the movie now, They're, they're Aliens. Yeah. That's right. Remember? It's like a, it's a yeah. crazy movie. I mean, But what happened is he's, he's walking down the street, and all of a sudden a guy is being chased by police or something, and he, he runs by him and he gives him a pair of sunglasses. And then the guy runs and gets killed by the police, and Rodney Piper is standing there. He's like, what the heck is that? And he puts the glasses on, and all of a sudden he sees like every third person is an alien. Yeah. And... Do you remember that, Charles? Yes. Wasn't it great? I mean, I, I hope you liked it. I, I thought it was just a phenomenal movie. It's always <laughs> stuck with me. Um, and I use it sometimes because, you know, sometimes you sit there and you, you want to put the glasses on and go, who is in front of me? Yeah. You know, when you're hiring staff, you wish you had glasses like that, right? I mean, you, you, that's probably the one thing that I've seen kill more businesses is that they don't know how to differentiate people that would be hireable from people that would not be hireable, you know, and, and a pair of glasses like that would save them many, many years of frustration, if not millions of dollars. Yeah, I say it a different way um, sometimes where I need, if there was a way I could rise up in the air a little bit and look down on everyone and just see what the hell everyone's doing, because I'm not getting it sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Well, um it, it is interesting. Do you find that, Charlie? Like, do you find like what do you find when you go into a business is like the the more common reasons for them not doing well? What, what are you in, in your travels? What have you found? Um, I'm a touchy feely person, so um, interaction to me is big. If if you're engaging to me, that's over and above, right? And then I'll ask questions and we'll converse, right? Um, I look at I look at the emotional contact. Well, and and one of the things that we noticed here, which I hadn't noticed before coming from Chicago and Charlie from New York, is that hours are flexible here. So what they have, if they have the hours posted on the door, it's not necessarily. And no one's in there, they'll close early. Yeah, and it's not oh, necessarily really? what the real hours are. And so you'll get there at either the open or at what you think is the close. And, yes, those are the hours because they're on the door, but nobody's there. They don't open the door. I mean, just simple things that to me would be just second nature to do to be there or answer phone calls. Yeah. And you know, there's one you other leave thing. A message and you don't get a call back or you send an email and you don't get a response back to it, at least say we received the email. Yes. We need 24 hours to get back to you. Just like even simple things like that with communication. And one more thing is when you walk into a, a business and they say, what do you want? Uh, I, give me some air first <laughs> let me breathe a little and you know we'll discuss that in a minute um sometimes so you know it's basically all of kind of what you were talking about right 
it's usually the simplicity thing, like you said, just what you said, like the way you're treated. You know, I always tell my staff, anybody that comes to that door, they're coming into our home. You know, they're coming into our home. How would you treat somebody that was walking into your house? Or how would you treat your mother or your father if they were coming in? You know, mm-hmm. provided like you're like your mother or father. You, you treat them like a, with decency. You'd ask them how they're doing. When they call up, you wouldn't say, as many doctor's offices do, you know, you call up and you go, hey, I'd like to make an appointment. What insurance do you have? Okay, well, right. Who, That's who, the first question. Like Right? What kind of a question is that? Establish some communication with the person. Yeah. Like, show that you care a little bit. Like, why are you calling? To what's going on? You know, when they tell you, acknowledge it. Say, hey, you know what? That concerns me. I'm sorry you're going through that. You're called the right place. Let's get you in. Okay? Yeah, but you know, the that person in the home might have the same demeanor, like you go for a visit and right. whoa, 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 take the shoes off. What are we doing here? You're so right. uh, it's probably in the person as well, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, like you said, there's different tone levels of people that you meet, right? You'll meet some people in life that are cheerful and enthusiastic, and then you can drop below that to someone that's like more conservative, like a banker, and you go drop below that. And you got somebody that's bored. You know, you ask them how they're doing. They're like, ah, I'm okay. You know, and then you get below that. You go into the New York, New Jersey tone level of anger, antagonism. You know, you go. <laughs> I always say we hate each other. Each other. Each other. <laughs> and, uh, it's sort of like, how are you doing? What, what do you care? You know, yeah. and then below that you have fear and you have apathy. And stuff. So there's different, you know, when, you, when you're seeing people, the ability to sort of categorize them a little bit. And I'll just, you know, I, uh, Charlie, you get a lot of, I guess, business owners that are actually looking for solutions, right? That would be a, mm-hmm. a big part of your audience. So from my viewpoint, one of the, the main things that I find is that really you want, when you, when you build your business, you want to surround yourself with people that have your exact purpose in mind, right? You don't want people that are counter purpose, like they totally are against you. It's like what we talk about in corporate, but recruit the motive, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's just it it is, right? And so how do you how do you differentiate that? I could give you is it all right if I give you three quick ways to do that? Yes. So if and I always find that just having some categories in your mind makes it really easy so you can start to sort of quickly differentiate because it's the speed at which you do things that are really going to determine yep. your ultimate survivability. So the the three classifications I find for hiring staff or or staff are this. You have willing staff they are willing, right? That doesn't mean they're always the brightest. It doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean they don't need a lot of attention. It, 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 the, the one thing they've got is they're motivated to help you. They're trying. Okay? And, and the way you know this is because they improve. They actually get better and better and better. It might take you a year to get them better, it might, whatever it is, but they keep getting better and better and better. And you don't have to always repeat what you're saying. And then we categorize those people as sort of the willing staff. And I always say, what, if they're willing, I'll do anything for you. I will put all my resources into you. There's no way that I won't do everything it takes to make sure you make it. Now, well, another category is what we call the defiant negative. And they are defiant and negative. Okay, These are easy to spot. I'm sure you guys have seen these kind of people, right? You say, no matter what you say to them, it's a bad idea. Or it can't be done. Have you guys ever met people? Like yes. That? Right? yes so, you know, whatever it is. Hey, hey, let's hear. I got an idea. Let's do this. Let's do some marketing. You know how expensive it is to market. I don't have time for this. 
I have the secret to world peace. Who cares? <laughs> Let them kill each other. <laughs> right, right, right. That's exactly right. So they're pretty easy to spot. Now, the defiant negative, here's the interesting thing that most people don't know. They cannot be changed. No matter what you do, you're not going to change that person, and you need to let them go and get them out of your life. I mean, it's just, it's that simple. It's just that was, yeah, that's what Eva tells, says as well, and it's hard sometimes. It is hard, yeah. It's hard to but they, they, yeah, unless they, they really want, want to change, but typically they don't. Yeah. Well, if they wanted to change, they would be categorized in the willing, and again, yeah. you see improvement in them. So they, they might, you can get somebody that's willing, that's not always the easiest person, so don't, don't get that part wrong. The, the key factor is that they're getting better and better and better. Um, mm-hmm. But here's the toughest one. There's one that we call the holy shiftless, okay? <laughs> holy shiftless, okay? They are pretending to be your friend. They are pretending to do the work. And so it's almost impossible to spot them because what they do is they'll start fires all over the place. And while you're trying to put out those fires, and by the way, the fires are always towards other people, so you think they're coming from other sources. So they're really tough to spot. I mean, I've yeah. I, even knowing it, it's, it's not always the easiest thing to spot and stuff like that. We need again, the sunglasses. Mm. You need, that's where we right. need those damn sunglasses. <laughs> but uh, that, again, that's a category that is not going to ever change. And so as a business owner, if you know that, once you spot that, and once, like I said, you give them the time, you try to change them, and you do what is ethically the right thing by them, like whatever training you feel needs to do, but once you recognize that no matter what you do, you could stand on your head in a corner and it's not going to change, don't waste any more time. You've got to let them go at that point. And again, it's not so easy to do. Most of us are, are decent, nice people. I, I talk about this in a chapter in the book. Uh, where, where the word nice, where the word nice originates from. Do you guys, have you guys heard that before? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, the word nice actually derives from the word stupid, ignorant, and foolish. Um, it, it's the, the concept of nice guys finish last. So mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you should be mean or cruel or anything like that. It just means that the goal, you know, here, here's, here's probably a better way to put it. As a doctor, the reason that I wanted to be a doctor ultimately was not to make money. It was, it was really to help people. Right. That was really my ultimate goal as business owners. I mean, any time I've ever interviewed business owners, they didn't they, they want to make money. Don't get but they all wanted to do something that would help other people. Yeah. And that's our secret weapon as well. Right. right. I and mean, we always know that um, we just have to get it right. That's all. <laughs> yeah. And you wear your heart on your sleeve, you know, and even and, and it's the same thing when I see with doctors and then they, you know, the. They, they wear their heart on their sleeve with their patients, and, and they also wear it on their sleeves with their staff. And the staff can sometimes use that as an Achilles heel, and it makes it very difficult to, to fire somebody because they're also, you know, they're, they're going through life's problems. Nobody has it that easy these days. And so, you know, you, you feel empathy for them. And you should, for a willing person, you should have empathy and you should do what it would take. But again, just going back to that categorization, you've also got a purpose and a goal to be successful and as a doctor to help your patients and to get them through. And you can't be sidetracked by staff that are unwilling, defiant, or negative. And right. I, you- uh, I get it. You know, the clock ticks. you got to keep your eye on the ball. And the only thing that matters is results. Um, uh, even with all of what you're saying, you still have to produce and deliver. And I think the biggest thing is you can't bury your head in the sand and pretend that since you hired these people, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Listen, the, I'll tell you the worst I've ever the worst I've ever seen at this was I, I had a dentist and I you know I went over this whole thing with him and stuff like that. He jumps up and he goes, "Oh my God, that's my office manager." Now mm-hmm. I had already surveyed everybody and I, I sort of was thinking that I don't think he was far off on that. And I said, "Well, what do you mean?" He goes, "I I, I swear to God, I'm, I'm too nice. I, I know that I should have fired her a long time ago." And I said, "Well, well, how long has she been with you?" And he said, 17 years. <laughs> I, and I um, when did you realize it, that, you know? Yeah, the, and the money and the time, and you're exactly right. Um, okay, so we are getting training here. Mm. This is uh, just Terrific. fantastic, um, and we just love every second of it. We're going to take our final break, and when we come back, maybe we'll you know, talk more about the book. How do we get it? It should be airlifted across, just drop it out of the plane, I think, because I think we can all benefit from this. Um, but this is great. Stay with us. We have one more segment. Uh, we'll be right back with our special guest, Daniel Margola. Stay with us. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization, regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Well, Charles, this has been another speedy hour. I can't believe how fast the time has gone. We have about 10 minutes left in this last segment. And our guest today is Dr. Daniel Margolin. Dr. Daniel is a podiatrist, and he's also a management consultant, which is an amazing and amazing background. And we've learned so much from you so far. Um, He also has a book out, Fast Tracking Your Prosperity, 21 Lessons in Professional and Personal Success. And I'm assuming, um, Dr. Margolin, that our listeners can get that on Amazon? It is. Yep, Amazon and Kindle. Yes, yes. Okay, that's perfect. So in our last few minutes that we have, the one thing I was going to ask you that I've always wondered is, especially in a profession like a doctor or a dentist, how do you make yourself known in kind of a a noisy world, but then yet on top of it, without it looking kind of cheesy, Mm -hmm. especially in those professions? Sure. Well, first, let let me just, can I just say one thing? I just, I'm having such a great time being on your show, and I so appreciate it. So you guys are are awesome, and I I really, really appreciate it. I just want you to know that. Oh, thank you so Um, much. Sure. Thank you, because Um, we love it. We, no, we love it. having you on today. I think this has been an amazing show, so thank you. Well, thank you. So um, when, you, when you look at, at marketing, especially professional marketing, okay, it breaks down actually into a thing called, well, two things. One is uh, public relations and one is marketing, and they're two separate things. So public relations is making yourself well-known, and marketing is you know, really directly asking somebody to come in on a specific item. So as an example, like I really believe that I'm connected to my community. I want to make it better. 
okay, not just for my business. I just want to do it. I just feel like there's not enough of that going on. I think our communities are not really being serviced very well by some of the larger corporations. And it's up to us, the small business owners, to really step up and, and take responsibility. And so we've been doing a Shoes for the Needy campaign for 28 years. And we've raised hundreds of thousands of pairs. We do that in the winter. And we do a Food for the Needy campaign during the summer. So we raise foods for some of the children in the schools that I, I found out years ago that they don't get the, the lunches at schools during the summer. Yeah, we heard that too from yeah. the store here. Yes. Yeah. I never knew that. So so we spend a lot of time doing those things. Now, that is, it, it benefits me, right, because it's public relations being well thought of. I mean, the whole concept of public relations is to get your name out there to be well thought of. And so absolutely I get a benefit from that. And then two, it does what I want to do, which is benefit the community. So I get that. So it's very important for public relations to go in first because you want to be well thought of. And then your marketing, which would be a coupon or something directing somebody to come in for a specific thing, works so much easier because people know you already and they trust you, right? They they say, well, he's got to be a pretty nice guy. I mean, he's putting Mm -hmm. all of his efforts into that. I can trust him over here or her over here. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, you know, I had never really thought of it that way. I mean, I know what public relations is and I know what marketing is, but I like how you put that together because the public relations just lets you be known and then marketing can just bring them in with, you know, like you said, a coupon or something. That makes a lot of sense. And and it's all just kind of touchy-feely without being over the top and noisy but it still right. certainly gets you out there. You don't have to jump up and go, hey, I'm, first of all, when you do that, when you jump up and go, I'm the greatest person in the world, nobody believes you. But when your actions actually demonstrate that you care, uh, it's a totally different thing. Uh, and I'll tell you, here's, here's another thing, if you don't mind me just sharing one other thing. Right mm-hmm. now, like being on air, I'm being interesting, right? I'm telling stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to make you laugh or whatever it is. I'm being interesting. And most people spend a great deal of time doing that even when they're talking to people. I mean, I'm obviously I'm on a radio show, so that's my job right now is to be interesting. But if you were to come in as a patient, I switch and I am interested. Okay, in other words, I want to know what, I, forget me, it's about you at that point, right? So on the radio show, I'm trying to be interesting, I want your attention, you know, go buy my book, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when you're coming in, the, the, real, the real public relations, the real marketing is actually being interested in the other person. Why are you here? What is it that you're trying to get out of it? How could I exchange in abundance with you? Like, what would you consider exchange in abundance? And then delivering that. And so that's probably, that. that's really what builds word of mouth, and that ultimately is probably the best uh, marketing. So when you talk about some of these techniques, um, is this, did this all come about in California, or... Some of these soft skill techniques and analysis develop over time. Uh, you know, I, I would say that um, what happened in California when I was out there, I learned, you know, some of the basic things that I'm sort of reviewing with you. And then yeah. I went out and I actually went, there's a, a college, a Hubbard, a Hubbard College in Los Angeles. I actually went out there and I actually studied. I actually became a trained consultant from there. And then, um, and I also read a lot, by the way, too. I, I mean, I read... If you want another, if you want a really good book, it's called The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. I had my whole staff read that as well. I mean, that's just a phenomenal, phenomenal book about, you know, how to get people motivated and stuff like that. So I do. I mean, I, I you know, they say that successful business owners read about one book a week, and I probably fall into that category. 
But um, the majority, like I always look at it like this, you need to actually be a professional in whatever you do. So I became a professional as a consultant. And then all the other things that I learn, I can put on that professional skeleton. So when I read other books, I get ideas here and there. But, but the, the, really the skeletal structure I learned in California, I've always abided by. I've always sort of stuck with that. Interesting. You know, and by the way, I had my guys watch The Magnificent Seven for the same reason that you uh, read that book. You had your staff read that book. <laughs> um, so another question that I was thinking about is the analytics that you talk about, and you had mentioned earlier in the show, and, you know, you should spend some time reviewing it. Has that uncovered anything major in your shifting and, and evolving, you know, studying some of the analytics that you're monitoring? Um, well, I, how much time do we have left on the show? Because I could go on for another hour on that. But uh, Actually, we have two minutes. Two minutes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 you know, I, here, here was the basis of what I learned. So when I look at graphs, I look at analytics, I look at statistics, like what we produced in a week or, or what we collected in a week or how many total patients we saw, okay, I apply a condition to that statistic. And as an example, right, a condition would be this. Let's say your car. You could describe it as being in good condition, bad condition, great condition. Well, you can look at a, at a graph and you could say it's in what's called an emergency condition or a danger condition or a normal condition. A normal condition is like when it's getting slightly better each week. An emergency is where it's staying the same week after week or going slightly down. Affluence is where it's going straight up and power is where it's going up and staying up. So you could visually set that up so it alerts you accordingly. Well, I could just look at a graph. I'm trained on yeah. I could just tell you right away. And then if you know there's certain steps in each of that conditions that leads to the next condition. So in emergency, the first step is promote, right? So you would promote or market. And then that, and there's other steps. There's about four other steps. But if you do those, it then automatically takes you to normal. And there's certain steps in normal that if you do that, it takes you to affluence. And there's certain steps that build you to power. So it's very technical, but it's very easy. It's not it's not really complex. It's just a way of looking at life just slightly different. I love it. You know, it's been terrific. Um, and uh, we would love in the near future to uh, ask if you would come back and we'll just keep this going. But this, uh, it's almost been like a, a, a training session It's for been us. great, yes. Um, I, Thank you. you know what? You're, you're very easy to listen to. Um, your stories are very engaging. and Well, it just makes so much sense. It just You just lay it out so nicely that it's just so easy to understand. You kind of do this like, ah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, it's perfect to see the success is real. Right. You know, that's what I'm trying to get to. So this has been fantastic, Dr. Daniel Margolin. We will share this all week. Um, and again, we would love to have you back. And thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you so much. A really great, great pleasure for me. Thank you so much. Excellent. Have a great rest of the day. Um, he. So let's share the website again. Um, yeah, I mean, EffectiveManagement.net. And the book is Fast Tracking Your Prosperity, 21 Lessons in Professional and Personal Success. You can get it on Amazon in Kindle format as well. I mean, so no, it was a really great show. Uh, I feel like I could call Dr. Margolin and ask a question off the cuff. He's that type of guy. So he's a teammate that we need not only to get the book from, to coach with, to learn from, and to stay close with. 
That's right. Um, great, great guy. Great job. Great show. And thank you to our listeners for staying with us and our producer, Dave Olson. This has been Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we will see you next week. Bye, guys.